Hello, everybody, and hello, Selena. Hello. I like don't know how to start. <laughs> hello. Well, hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to this week's edition of Extra Sugar and or Part Two of our First Wives Club episode. That's what happens when it's off the cuff. We don't know. <laughs> Whichever way you want to take it. The First Wives Club episode we had earlier this week was just so jam-packed of facts, fun lines, uh, I don't know, figures? I don't know where I'm going. It was full of a there lot. There was some figures. There were some figures. Yeah, yeah, there were numbers. How much the movie made. Exactly. Thank you, Selena. Yeah. There was just a lot of information. Yeah. So one thing we didn't have a chance to do is dig into the cast a little bit more. We sort of alluded to the fact that it was an ensemble cast. We talked a lot about the leading ladies, but there was more to say about the cast. Yeah. So we wanted to do sort of a separate, a second piece of that episode that we're calling Casting and Controversies. Um, so, I feel like you need a sound. <laughs> so you'd say like, yep. Uh, so we'll dig into the actors a little bit. We'll talk about some um, big names now that maybe weren't so big then. Do a little bit of our casting what ifs sort of scenario. Talk about a few of the cameos. Um, and then we can talk about controversy. Selena's got controversy out the wazoo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love talking about. My wazoo. wazoo. I didn't say your wazoo. <laughs> oh, okay. The royal wazoo. <laughs> oh, the general we. <laughs> the general we, exactly. So do you want to talk about big names that weren't so big then first? I do. Uh, this is me off the cuff, off the cuff. She's so... Just fixing notes, you know, doing the thing. I can't even remember the word I'm trying to think of. <laughs> Well, spontaneous. I'm the most spontaneous. I wasn't prepared for the spontaneity. I wasn't prepared. I needed to think about it. I needed some time to sit with my spontaneity. Uh, so yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's reasonable to think that. What are we? Twenty seven years past when the movie. I'm not good with math. No, we're way past that. Let's see. No, now, I think you're right. 16, I think you're right. 20, That's devastating. Twenty six years. Something. Here, you do math and I'll do this. But that much longer when we're coming up on like 30 years since the thing has happened, like some of the people who were unknowns then years. Ooh, are going to be like more known now, right? So Maybe. One person who definitely uh, went from being like, a, I recognize her to like an, more of like icon status is Sarah Jessica Parker. You know, it's fascinating you say that. I didn't put her in this list because she was in um, the cast, not Footloose. Oh, dog on it. What was she in? Well, definitely Hocus Pocus. That was going to be a second. Honeymoon in Vegas. Uh, Carry on. But I didn't put her in my list because I kind of wondered if we didn't recognize her because. Oh, did you just say not Footloose? What did you say? Was it Footloose? Yeah. It's Footloose. That's a pretty big movie. Yeah, but she was like, uh, she. I mean, she had been in movies and she had been acting since she was like eleven years right. old. But like, it was more like I know Working her actor from something versus to like I this could. is Carrie Bradshaw from right. Sex in the City. Now that would just happen two years later. So I, I always think of her as one of the Sanderson sisters. Yeah, I get that. I get that, and you'll get to see her again as a Sanderson sister because we're gonna milk that cow now. Um, this was also Tim Oliphant's first feature film. So do you know what's so funny about Timothy Oliphant? I have no idea who this man is. Oh, um, 
I, he popped up in Santa Clarita diet. Yes. Kyle like lost his mind. I think that's, I think that's Timothy Oliphant. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's Timothy Oliphant. Let me just Big justified guy? Timothy Oliphant. I don't know. No, I don't. still, to this day, I should have asked him. I don't know. But I just remember he sort of lost his mind. He was like, that's, he's a really good actor. He's really, really, really good. If really I good had actor. not seen him in, in Santa Clarita diet, uh-huh. he still, and I'm sorry I said that so weird. He still would not have registered for me in this watch of this movie. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there you go. There you well, go. he is probably, I mean, kind of in, t- in taking with like a, with a Sarah Jessica Parker, like, you know, he has done a lot and he's been in a lot of different things, but I think he is definitely like a one-on-one with Justified. He also did and a- Santa Clarita Diet. A part of a season. I love Santa Clarita Diet. I hated it when that show that was really down, sad. Because, yeah, I thought it was really, really funny. So, anyways, that was his first feature film. Um, also, if you- don't know what part he played. He was the hot new director in town. With an earring, so you know he's cool. That's right. <laughs> That's how you know. Um, for people our age, it's impossible to see Elizabeth Berkeley and not have Saved by the Bell flashbacks. Reportedly, Berkeley was cast because Han thought she deserved redemption from Showgirls. Oh, okay. That explains a lot. Yeah, which had premiered the year before. Now, Nikki, are you a Showgirls girl? No. You know what's funny is I put her um, on my list because I wasn't quite sure where you were going to want to go with this. So mm-hmm. I just listed the actors that like played minor parts in this but have continued to work. And Elizabeth Berkeley was a challenging one for me because of our age, we all recognize her as Saved by the Bell and Jesse Spano. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. Mm -hmm. You look blankly at me. That's my favorite. Yeah. Um, But iconic scene. It would have been just before this that Showgirls happened, which I I think ruined her career to a point where she was really struggling to work. So it's very interesting that Han was looking out for her in that way. Han? Goldie? Yeah. Goldstein? (laughs) Whatever whatever intimate (laughs) name you prefer to go to. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah, so so I read that somewhere, and I thought that was really special, you know, for someone to, like, reach out like that. Um, But also, I was actually recently listening to a podcast, and maybe it was, like, about the 90s or something, and uh, they have started – about 10 or so years ago, looking at showgirls with a much more redemptive quality that they, it didn't quite get at the time. Now I know, I understand you're not a showgirls girl, but did you (laughs) see showgirls? Okay. Mm -hmm. I've actually seen it several times. Um, From what I understand, it's not all everybody made it to be. It reminds me more of like a TV movie. I think that's like the, there's some things in the quality that just don't feel there, but like, um, in the, in some ways, like the examples I was hearing of why it should be held to like um, not held to a higher standard, but why it should be seen as a little bit more than it was is like the um, I forget who all was involved behind the scenes, but it was really supposed to harken back to like the MGM musicals. Oh, but okay. like in a naughty nineties kind of way. Um, and I think that just fell flat. I also feel like one thing I heard about the way I think it's worth seeing. And I think one thing I heard about her particular role is like, maybe she was just given some bad direction on mm. what to do. It mm-hmm. was like, they wanted to play her angry and it was like, just dialed up too high or something. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think that movie comes out now it would never get the kind of flack it got then. Yeah, I think it was a really big heel turn, too, from Jesse Spano. And I really, really just feel like the public is almost never ready 
to have that sort of like the, it's Miley Cyrus all over again. That's right. We're just never fully ready for that heel turn. Yeah. Um, there's some, there are other the so- Disneyfication. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, even if, and, and we have a really long memory in the way that we say people have really short memories. We most, there are, is a not insignificant number of people who will still identify Miley Cyrus with Hannah Montana forever and always and have trouble letting go of that, even though she is a, if not nearly 30, at least 30 year old woman. Oh, I think she's, she's a past 30. Full grown yeah. individual. And she's well entitled to play these roles. And people just can't let go of it. Right. And I think that's what happened to Elizabeth Berkeley. Right. And we do that to women. We like to do mm-hmm. that to them. We like to women. do it to them. Yeah. I don't see us doing that as much to men. Uh, so Elisa's husband's, this is not going to be for you, but someone will care about this. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Elisa's husband's attorney is played by J. Smith Cameron, who just ended a stint as Jerry, who was one of the very main characters on the HBO show Succession. Oh, okay. Uh, I also saw a couple of other, I'm just going to say it now that we're spending a little bit more time, it is the magic. <laughs> uh, a lot of hand motions going on right now. Uh, there's a couple of other people I saw. Um, I saw someone from Frasier. He was the bartender when Goldie Hawn's losing her mind. Mm-hmm. And he played like... Uh, I think maybe he had a cooking show or something on the radio station where Frazier Crane okay. um, had his show. And then uh, it seems Gil, I think. And then um, you're welcome. His wife's name is Tammy. <laughs> his wife's name was not Tammy. <laughs> um, and then also the person who hits on Goldie Hawn when they go into the gay bar. Uh-huh. So that is a character from Orange is the New Black who went through, I think, all seven seasons of the show named Boo. And her name was Boo in Orange is the New Black. And um, it was definitely interesting to see her because she's, I mean, she's, she's about 20 years younger. Than yeah. Her. So it's just uh, funny to see those people cycle through different shows. Um, it's a small universe, Hollywood. Life. Yeah. Let's talk about some casting what ifs. Mm-hmm. So did you find any of these? I'm sure you're going to talk about Sally Field. Uh-huh. But, well, you take that one if you want to. Oh, okay. Um, apparently, Sally Field says that Goldie Hawn tried to talk her into taking a role in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but she turned it down because she thought, Bet, I actually read the quotes. Um, she thought Bette Midler and Goldie Hawn were, quote, too musical for her to stand up with that. Which I think is really funny because I don't think of this as a musical movie with the exception of that final scene. Is it one final scene? It's funny because they ended up making it into a musical. So maybe I just missed something altogether. But I don't think of it as a musical movie. But I also don't see Sally Field in this movie. Yeah, that's interesting because I don't even know that I read like, I wasn't sure what character it was. Yeah. Obviously, she wasn't going to play the Goldie Hawn character. I think she would have played the Diane Keaton character. I was going to ask you what you thought there. Yeah. So, But then I don't know if we read something different. Um, so if, if you did read that it was specifically um annie well no sorry that it was specifically bet and goldie Mm -hmm. oh that's why i'm sorry that's why i said i actually read her quotes because there was a lot of like sally field says um they tried to talk her into first wives club sally field passed up first wives club but i actually read the interview with her and i think she specifically said bet and goldie tried to talk her into it because i read that thinking well, that's unfortunate for diane keaton (laughs) like they were desperately trying to get someone else um yeah well what do you think do you think it's better worse or the same with her and with her in it Mm 
Diane Keaton, I want to say this with as much respect as possible. Diane Keaton's an interesting one for me. Okay. You made a joke a few episodes ago because uh, the way I said something, you're like, well, screw you, Diane Keaton. And I didn't mean it that way at all. But I have reflected on that a lot and thought like, but was there some element of that? Because I don't know that I would ever list Diane Keaton as a favorite actor of mine. I would I would say Sally Field is a favorite actor You never know what's going to stick with someone. It's just, you, you just really got to watch your mouth, Selena. <laughs> I think that often when we come back to this table. <laughs> I was like, I probably should have shut up. Uh, but yeah, I struggle with Diane Keaton a little bit. I feel like sometimes um, she she feels to me a little one note sometimes. Um, oh, hot takes on sweet tea. I and TV know, today. I know. And but I don't know what that means because I also think I said in the main episode like her freak out in Morty's apartment is something only Diane Keaton could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know how to disentangle that from like a one trick pony sort of thing. I don't necessarily know that I think that's what I mean, but also I feel like I've seen that role before. I feel like I've seen her have a freak out like that before. Cause it's something only she can do. Mm-hmm. Steve Martin. There are certain things only Steve Martin can do. Nobody else would do it as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like she started playing like more of the, this particular role after this role. So I'm thinking about the, what's it called? Like, because I said so or whatever. With Mandy Moore? Yeah. Yeah. Like it I feel, think that's what I'm thinking it of. It felt like a very similar role to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, but I like, it just sort of depends on what era you're talking about. Because like in the Family Stone, she plays a very different role. In Baby Boom, it feels very different, even though it's been a long time since I've seen that movie. So I probably shouldn't speak with any authority to it. Um, for me, I think it would just be different. Um, I totally think Sally Phil could do that role. Mm-hmm. But I did love um, Diane Keaton so much in that role. Diane Keaton is also amazing in Marvin's Room. Like mm-hmm. that movie I'm not is Marvin's room. It's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. So she was also in um, Father of the Bride in a slightly different but similar role. Mm-hmm. So I, I think probably Softer, maybe it might be a little bit of a typecast situation. Like mm-hmm. as she got older, they started putting her in the same similar bucket, which is like mom vibe, and then maybe like a little amped up mom vibe. I don't know. I just it's almost like there's only three. Types of women in Hollywood. Yeah. It's true. So. Babe, district attorney, and driving Miss Daisy. That's right. You got it. You got but it. yeah, I, I hear you. I think it probably would have been a different. Although Sally Field is very capable of playing a hyperactive, extra emotional person. Well, I think about Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes. Uh-huh. Yep. And it would have been right in that era, too. Yeah. Close enough, anyway. Yeah. Um, so apparently, I think most of the, like, this was newer news that came, it's so funny that this, like, kind of got, oh, about Sally Field. Yeah, because yeah. I think it was during the 80 for Brady publicity tour. Mm-hmm. It's so funny that it's just come out, came out now, but. Um, so a couple of the other casting what ifs that I had was the role of, the role that eventually goes to Elizabeth Berkeley was actually Jenny McCarthy's. Oh. And she turned it down. Same question. Better, worse, same, different. Oh, different. Yeah. Jenny McCarthy's just different. It doesn't feel as innocent. Yes. Yeah, that's true. I actually, so I stop and say, this is not something I put in my likes, but I wasn't thinking about it the first time that we went through, um, or that I went through and rewatched it, which was, I've always really loved how much she loved Elise. Yeah. And she idolized she's her. there in 
the crowd cheering for her. I teared up this morning yeah, watching that. It's really nice. Yeah. Uh, so the last one I have is Jessica Lang was seriously considered for the ro- role of Elise Elliott. Oh. Better, worse, same, different. Well, hold on one second. Huh. I don't know that I have an opinion on that. I mean, I think she could have done it, but I just, I, I don't. But Goldie Hawn, man, I'm not, I'm not trying to replace her. She, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. I'm looking back to kind of. I can't, uh, speaking of people being pigeonholed, when it comes to Jessica Lange now, all I can think of is um, American Horror Story. You know, I can't yeah. get that Jessica Lange out of my head. And she plays such like a intense. She does a great job in that show, but it's just like an intense, crazy character. And I just, like, I can't break that mm-hmm. enough to put her in, like, an Elise character. Yeah, I think Goldie Hawn was, I can't imagine anyone else playing that role. Yeah, I think I think Jessica Lings would have been meaner. I was trying to look back and see, like, what she had done around this time, what she was starring in, and... I don't know. I, I Goldie Hawn. It, she's just irreplaceable in that role. She yeah. played it really well. The, that that in this was in your favorite quotes, but where she talks about science fiction, young. Between that and then Death Becomes Her, right in that same time period, this was just a perfect role for her. Yeah, it's just the character, the the person she was playing. Right. And her as a redhead. <sighs> um. Okay. So the movie is also just chock full of cameos. Mm. Um, did you have any that stood out for you? Um, I wrote, I wrote down the one about the author of the book. Um, we already talked about that one in the main episode. And then Ivana Trump was a really obvious one as well. Yes. And she delivers the movie's tagline. Don't get mad, get everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, that her taking that was the director's idea. Hugh Wilson. Her taking that line. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, because actually like, I don't. I did. I took this out of the trivia, but since we're talking about her, um, Brenda delivers the line. Did you have just a little nip and tuck or did you have mm-hmm. the full, full enchilada? enchilada? It was originally, did you have the full Ivana? Oh, and they changed it because they didn't want to make her upset. Offend her. That yeah. makes sense. Uh, so stalker Channing, I actually had her in there initially as supporting cast mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's just because the performance was so strong or whatever the case might be but everywhere I look they kept referring to it as a cameo so I put her as a cameo here mm-hmm. and then um we talked about the new wife being played by Heather Locklear um, I don't even like that terminology that just sounds terrible the new wife the new wife that hers is like the definition of a cameo because she didn't even have any lines yeah she was nothing. literally just a face right if it had been tv does she even get her sag well I mean, it's not like SAG doesn't exist in movies. I wonder if the rules are the same. Like, usually you have to talk. You can't just appear. Or I thought that was the rule. What do I know? (laughs) I'm not in Hollywood. Gloria Steinem shows up to talk to Eduardo at the Crisis Center opening. Mm -hmm. She's literally there two seconds. That Mm -hmm. definitely was something that went over my head when I was 11. Mm -hmm. Um, Another person who there's no lines. You just see him talking her ear off. Mm -hmm. And then Kathy Lee Gifford. As Kathy Lee Gifford. Oh, right. Yeah. They actually, just as another um, movie trivia, they had a line in there that would have insinuated whether or not, like, someone had ever cheated on her. Oh. And they took that out because not long after that, 
I, I don't know if it's because, but not long after that, it came out that her husband had cheated on her with the nanny or something. Frank? It was like a huge thing at that time. Late, oh. late 90s. Maybe I knew this at one point in time. You probably did. It's all new information. Poor Kathy Lee. 27 years later, you know? And then the last one I have is former New York City Mayor Ed Koch. Yeah. And let me tell you something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's someone I can't tell you where he showed up. Probably with the crisis center. I don't know. I'm going to have to make a note to myself to look at him later because I feel like I was just looking him up recently and uh, now I cannot remember why. Wasn't for this, huh? You sure? I don't think so. If it wasn't, if you happen to remember why you were looking him up, I sure need to know that. I know. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said anything. Um, so uh, I was going to move on to controversies, if that's all right with you. Sure. Okay. So there are some of note. One from during the movie and two that have happened since. Oh, I'm sorry. We mentioned one last time, which was Stephen Collins, which we're not going to get into. Mm -mm -mm. Okay? But the one from during the movie, I'm calling Bet on the Set. So this, oh. this bums me out, but it's been reported multiple times, including by Bronson Pinchot. Uh, again, he plays Duardo. That she really mistreated the director. Here's a quote from Pinchot. Quote, she was being such a bitch to him. While he was directing, she would be rolling her eyes, pantomiming with her favorite actors, and she made it very difficult. And he was at his wit's end. He was actually a very nice man, but she was very unkind to him on that movie. So I can't help but wonder if some of this is because she's a woman. I'm just oh, saying. Right. If she demonstrated this behavior as a man, would it have read differently? Now, I have read... A lot of the kind of reflection pieces, at least like at the 20 year and the 25th year, included quotes from the director. And he does mention being afraid of her. <laughs> but that's about as far as he went, which could be because he's a very nice man. I'm not sure. But I also did a quick Google search just to see, like, has there been other points in time where she's come up as, like, troublesome on the set? I never found anything. It seems to me she gets in trouble more on Twitter. And she does on movies. Yeah, she seems like a, um, a, my take on Bette Midler, knowing nothing about her except public perception, is she's just a big personality. Outspoken, yeah. Yeah, like she's going to speak up for herself. It doesn't surprise me that she would be a little hard to handle as a director, but probably also, like you said, he's a really nice guy. And she probably needs someone who's maybe not such a nice guy <laughs> or gal or person to direct her. Right. Because she probably at that point in time, I mean, She's pretty experienced. They all are pretty experienced at that point. So there becomes this point where I think you become a little harder to direct. Yeah. Like I've been doing this a long time. I know how this goes. Right. Yeah. So I just thought that was, I, I didn't want to like ignore it, but I also like, I, I don't always question these things, but I question this one a little I bit. I don't know how Bronson Pinchot pronounces his name, just to be clear, but uh, like, what does he have to gain from I coming out? I double check that one. It's Pinchot. It's Pinchot. What does he have to gain from coming out now and saying that? Didn't you say that was recent? No, I don't know that was recent. Okay. Mm -mm. Why would he say that? That was his perception. So, but it was why I said like too, because like I also don't want to um, poo poo on how he what he feels like he saw on the set, mm -hmm. um, and that's why I'm wondering if some of this is through the lens of like um, women with big personalities mm -hmm. aren't as acceptable as men with big personalities. Mm -hmm. I don't know that's the case. And what's her sense of humor? That's the other thing. 
I have a, you know, I've seen her in different movies and um, certainly she brings different things to different characters, but there is always sort of like a boldness. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't imagine between that and the snippets that we do get on social media that she's just not a bold kind of comedian, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, like bodacious. I think she's always put herself out there kind of gal. So I don't know, but thought I'd have to share that. And then there's another one, but this one, and I alluded to this in the first episode, this is way past the movie. And this was with Scott Rudin, the producer. Mm-hmm. So as we've discussed, um, like there was something I wanted to circle back to, but before we do that, I want to talk about just a little bit about his credentials. Um, not only is he an EGOT, Again, that's an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony winner. There are 18 ever. Uh, His movies have earned 151 Oscar nominations and 23 wins. Good grief. I mean, it's amazing. He's also received 17 Tonys for his stage productions, including a 2018 record-breaking run of To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway. I believe that's the one that Aaron Sorkin worked on. But in recent years, he's come under fire for his abusive behavior towards staff and others. I think there are a few things happening here at the same time. One, it sounds like perhaps that behavior has gotten worse over the years. So we'll link to an article so that you can read it and read about those incidents for yourself and decide. But two, as the article points out, his bad behavior has been documented for like 40 years and um and in the press so sometimes even it was almost celebrated in a way like which is really interesting in contrast to the best story right but so it's almost like he came up in a system that didn't care but it was shaken up by the me too movement where we started in one place and then started to look out for all these other toxic behaviors i'm not saying that makes that behavior okay I'm just saying I think that is um, some context for whatever you'll read in some of these stories. Um, I think one of them was like maybe breaking an iPad on someone's hand or something. Oh, God, like physical stuff. Mm. Oh, that's different. <laughs> mm-hmm. like it went, that's why I said, too, like I think that was a more recent incident. And so it seems like it's been ratcheting up over the years. Again, that was my read on the, I think it was like a Hollywood reporter. That's a tough balance, right? Like, um, I am one of those people that tends to give older people a little bit more grace on things because I do feel like um, society and the world changes. And I think sometimes people of certain generations get left behind at certain points in time. So, like, there's a discussion about... um, you know, inclusivity and um, cultural inclusion that's happening largely online. And there's a big portion of the population that's a little bit older that isn't in those circles and hearing those conversations. And so it's hard to hold them accountable, but I know that there's a flip of it, that everybody should be learning and improving themselves and trying to stay current and whatever. That's a tough one. Physical behavior, though, physical harm, assault, that's different. That one's one I'd have a tough time giving someone to pass on. Yeah. And I mean, it's like one of those things too, like, I'm not in the room. Right. Did he like knock it down next to him and then it like maybe a piece splintered up and hit the guy in the hand? Like, I don't know. Yeah. But you probably shouldn't be doing that either. Yeah. Physical stuff. That's an extra level. Yeah. Although I will say like, if you're really like verbally abusing someone, that's very bad. 
And but that like, could be if very no one's, debilitating. If no one's ever checking them. Yeah. And then there's no system built to it, check right? that. Right. It went unchecked for so long. And it really sucks to hold that person accountable now for a system that enabled them. And he was a man. Yeah. Well, he's still a man. And he is a successful man. Yeah. Who brought a lot of money. Yeah. Into the system. So, you know, life's hard, y'all. That's what we're trying to say. <laughs> Try to keep your nose clean. Yeah. Maybe we should have started with controversies. Maybe. Let me tell you about that Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> but get back to us. Why is Kyle such a big fan? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah. All I can remember is his reaction. And he was just like, I love that guy. Maybe he loved Go. Go. I don't know what that one is. It's a 1999 movie with him and uh, Katie Holmes. Um, I can't remember who else is in it, but it was all around like, I feel like I want to say the late nineties rave party scene and Timmy, Timothy Oliphant's like a drug dealer in it. And, um, he was in good. gone in 60 seconds. I do remember oh, I him in that. that. Yeah. I don't, there had to have been something that just like really stuck with him. Cause that's your homework. You're man, not doing did he anything. Lose it. He really, really went crazy over that. Uh, he was very good in Santa Clarita diet. I was and award-winning television show. <laughs> I mean, I loved it again. Award-winning here with oh, the two of us. That's right. <laughs> Is that it? That's it. Okay. At this point, hopefully everyone knows the drill. Visit us on social media at Sweet Tea and TV or Sweet Tea and TV on Facebook. Our website is www.sweetteatv.com. What? <laughs> Did I get it wrong? No. You, oh. you got it. Oh, why are you laughing at me then? Just because I'm like, you know the drill. Oh. <laughs> and or rate us and review us wherever you listen to us. Uh, and then we have a Patreon page where you can get exclusive or extended content. You can find that on the support us section of our website. So that's it. Thanks for joining this week's extra sugar and or part two of our very special season four special episode. And come back for re-release September. Do that. <laughs> and then we will see you officially for season five of Designing Women in October. Thanks, Selena. <laughs> Bye. Bye. 